0: BMX Network Production.
1: Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Show with Steve Mathis. Support the show by clicking the Amazon banner on pulpocky.com before shopping. Follow the show on Twitter at Pulp Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Stitcher or your favorite
0: podcast app. Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Podcast Show. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We appreciate it. Subscribe on iTunes, get it on Stitcher, get it on PulpHockey.com. Code Ferraro20 saves you money at 2-under, the, the number 2 UNDR, the best men's underwear around. Great uh, great company, and a lot of NHLers are using it. So check it out at 2-under. Use the code Ferraro20. Save yourself money and Amazon banner on PulpHockey.com. Go through that. Make a purchase, we get a small slice of it, and we're able to... Uh, just keep this thing going so we really appreciate it. everybody's been uh good the feedback's been good thanks again for listening with me on the line a gritty guy stanley cup champion over a thousand games uh won the cup with the la kings and uh definitely one of the uh one of the more underrated uh players of his time to recently retired um robin regier what's up robin how are you
1: hey steve i'm doing great i'm uh enjoying a nice mild uh winter up here in uh in canada
0: yeah, it's uh, it's probably colder where I live in Vegas right now. It's been freezing. We've been getting down to zero. It's been nuts.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, people don't go down to Vegas to bring their winter coats out, so I'm sure that, uh, that they're wondering what the heck's
0: going on. Yeah, no doubt. Well, hey, thank you for doing this, and uh, thanks to Blair Morgan for hooking it up, a mutual friend of ours. Uh, where did you first meet Blair? How did that come about? Because, you know, you're a hockey guy. You... You um, you know, you were in the junior system and everything else, and he's into motocross and snowcross and everything else. So, how'd you meet him? Yeah, I met him in uh, Prince Albert actually, because, um,
1: you know, we were doing some of the some of the same uh, charity events there in, in Prince Albert, and we had a mutual uh, friend in uh, in Tyler Hazelwood. So uh, I got to meet uh, meet Blair and you know just a really nice guy and a really interesting guy too with uh, you know racing racing both uh, motocross and snowcross mm-hmm. and uh, being being very successful at it so uh, we we got along really well and you know he let me come out to uh, to his track and uh, rip around his track a little bit there. Oh just, yeah yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, just a little bit north uh northwest of uh, Prince Albert and and just a a really nice genuine guy so we got along quite well.
0: Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I didn't really, I always wondered how that happened, you know? How do you meet this dude? So at a charity event and a mutual friend and then there you go. Now, in talking to him, he told me you love snowmobiling. Like, that's what you're doing now, that's what you and your family does and and you did it throughout your career. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so the, I was trying to keep it quiet through uh, throughout the career because it wasn't something that uh, I was exactly uh, supposed to be doing. They they don't want us doing a whole uh, whole lot during the uh, during the hockey season. But uh, I grew up uh, I grew up on sleds. Actually, uh, yep. grew up in a small town in Saskatchewan, and uh, my dad uh, came home one day with uh, a 1992 uh, Indy Light Deluxe of Polaris 340, and, yep. and uh, we started riding that thing and. You know, we went up to, you know, something a little bit bigger. We went to the uh, the 488 fan-cooled uh, Polaris, and then up to the uh, Vmax uh, Yamaha Vmax 500 yep. was the biggest uh, kind of prairie sled that uh, that we had. And you know, we'd ride the ditches, fields, and the uh, creeks, and do all that. But uh, that's where I first got the bug for for snowmobiling. And then mm-hmm. when um, when I came out to uh, to Calgary, it was after my first year. Uh, we didn't make the playoffs and had all this time in, uh off in the, in the spring, so uh, I decided to go out to Golden and give this uh, mountain sliding a, a try. And uh-huh. uh, it was just, it was just so, so much fun. Uh, it was really challenging the first two or three days uh, because. The riding is just completely different than what uh, what yeah. I had done on the, on the prairies, so sure it was yeah. something that uh, I, I got stuck uh, so many times in the <laughs> first half half a day, and thank goodness uh you know I had a guide out there to to help me and uh, give me some pointers but uh, that's that 's when I first got the bug
0: yeah it 's crazy. Um, I grew up in Winnipeg, Manitoba, and uh, so I snowmobile too my whole my whole life you know never really always I always had crappy sleds because they broke a lot and you know this and that, and then. I got into some buddy sleds and this was probably right around the early 90s or so right around that Polaris and um I remember the Yamaha came out with a new one uh just kind of before I left uh to to come down here. And the one thing that everyone said was yeah, you got to go to BC. You got to go up in the mountains. You got to go out there because yeah, living in Manitoba and Saskatchewan it's it's you know, it's uh just fire roads and kind of whatever but it's a different animal when you get in the mountains it's it's and Blair told me that too the same thing it's so much so much more fun than just doing it on the prairies
1: yeah and and uh you know a big thing is the the group that you go with you know we go with uh guys that are very serious about it and take safety uh, very serious because uh you know the risks of uh, avalanche and and things like that so uh you know it's always out there but yeah. uh, you know on the prairies you on the prairies you never get uh, 3 feet of fresh uh, champagne powder uh, overnight. And, uh, you know, when you run into that in uh, in the mountains uh, any time, uh, you're, you're hooked for life. Like, it's just uh, it's amazing up there. And, and you get up into those alpine areas, it's really up to, um, to yourself and your group and, and your machines on on where to go so you can be yep really adventurous and, and creative and, and go exploring and, and do some really, uh, really fun things up there.
0: So on all-star breaks, I don't know if you made any all-star teams. I didn't see that in my... Um in my research last night but I'm on all-star breaks, you were like, "Hey, I'm gonna get some sledding in." <laughs> that, that's exactly what I was doing. I'd I'd head out to uh,
1: to Revelstoke, and whether it was an all-star break or an Olympic break, yeah, I'd uh, I'd meet uh, meet the same group of guys out there, and uh, we're actually gonna do it again uh, this year, even though uh, I uh, you know I have a different schedule. Yeah. Uh, they wanted to keep uh, you know keep on the same program, so we're gonna do it again, and we just had uh, we had a blast uh, out there. We'd always go to Revelstoke. And uh, that's kind of the um, where we find that we have the most consistent uh, conditions. Yeah. And uh, that's uh, that's what we were looking for. But yeah, most of the guys on, on uh, All Star breaks were headed down to, uh, to sure. Mexico right. or right. you know places to go find a Hawaii and place to go find a beach somewhere. And uh, I was excited to go play in the snow.
0: Yeah, really, right? That's and then so did you try to get some rides in during the season? Like in, like you said on the down low, or did you would yeah. you do some stuff if you could?
1: Yeah, it was really difficult because of the, the yeah. busy schedule, but there was a couple, couple times where I could sneak out to Golden just for yeah, the day, yeah. and that was on a day off or something like that. But it was a, <laughs> it was a full day because, um, you know, it was like two and a half hours, three hours, depending yep. on what the road conditions were like from right. Calgary by the time you got out there and rode. And then on the way back, it was, uh, it was kind of nasty, but, uh, I, I remember, I remember the one, t- uh, one time, I uh, I came off the hill and they were uh, they were actually having some really really terrible road conditions on number one highway, so uh-huh. they they, uh, they closed it down at, uh, at at Golden. So I had to head south and uh, head all the way around and then back up, uh, so I could get uh, get past the closure. Yeah, yeah. And back to Calgary because I I uh, couldn't afford to be stuck out mm-hmm. there all uh, all night. I had to uh, I had to get get back the next day for uh, for practice.
0: Right. And some fans out there—is that Robin Regeer? Isn't that Robin Regeer? <laughs> well, you got a well, fake, mu- uh, <laughs> fake mustache on. You're like, nope. <laughs>
1: no, that, that's where the Bellaclavas come in. Uh, come uh, in handy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it was never—it was never too bad. There's a couple of times where you know people uh think "Oh, hey, you know, what are you doing out here?" And you know, this and that. I talk a little bit of a little bit of hockey, uh, but it, it's really never been
0: uh, never been too bad. I just kind of minded my own business, and, yeah, yeah. and uh, everyone's out there just to. to to go play in the snow. And uh, what's the this, this snow bikes you're into now? My, my, I was telling you before, my buddy, um, I work for a magazine, a motocross magazine, and he still he, he's a Supercross winner, and he still talks about these dumb snow bikes he took up in Montana and how much fun he had and how it was the best time he's ever had in his life. Well, I, I grew up
1: uh, on, on dirt bikes as well. So yeah. we had snowmobiles in the winter and then dirt bikes in the summer. So I was familiar with dirt biking and then enjoyed it. But um, these the snow bikes have uh, have really changed things, and and I'll be the first to admit I was a skeptic when mm-hmm. um, my my business partner grabbed us uh, a couple and and uh, these uh, so sort of we grabbed KTM's for us and uh, big four fifties and electric start and, right. and things and you know when you're driving them up on the on the trail. They're not a whole lot of fun. They they tend they're they're getting better, mm-hmm. but we've had them for about three years, and they tended to dart around a whole a whole lot, and um, it was really it was actually quite challenging on the trail. But as soon as we got off the trail into a little even skiff of snow, right. it was it was like it was like riding a dirt bike, and it was just it was amazing how maneuverable they were where they could go and uh, the thing that i really love about uh, the snow bikes steve is it changes uh, it changes the mountain you don't look at the the mountain the same as, as you do when you're on your sled. So you could, you could ride it one day on your on your sled, come back the next day on your snow bike, and, and look for completely different terrain, and everything is just brand new uh, yeah, to you yeah. that, that way. And, and they work really, really well, and, and we're seeing more and more of them out in, um, in the mountains and around Revelstoke uh, every time we go out there.
0: Yeah, I think there's a the last time i asked somebody about it or last time i talked to somebody about it the technology has come a long way um they they've gotten lighter easier like you said more maneuverable there's a three or four different companies i think that are making conversion kits and mm-hmm. it's just like anything they're just getting better and better you know and um people are digging it you're right it's uh, it does seem to be more and more popular well and let's face
1: facts when you do get them stuck because it's not a matter of uh of uh if it's just when uh, when you do get those bikes <laughs> stuck it's easy to dig easy to dig something out that's yeah. 250 300 pounds rather than uh you know a big heavy sled all loaded up with snow and ice that's you know six seven hundred pounds yeah. uh, kind of thing so it's uh it, it's much easier on on people and, and their bodies and their energy uh that way
0: yeah no doubt about it um hey you um you did pretty well in your career you played for a long time what do you do for for business interest do you have anything or are you just kicking back what do you do for yeah yeah no uh, i've i've got lots of interests uh,
1: you know it was something that uh i started thinking about uh actually before mm-hmm. i ended up uh retiring and um i was uh, was very fortunate that uh uh started a business called Blue Line Oilfield Field Rentals here in uh in Calgary with a with a partner of mine, Doyle Townsend. So we've been at that for uh roughly uh seven years. Okay. And um as as everyone knows it follows uh, oil prices, it's uh it's quite challenging out there yeah right now. Yep. But um you know it's uh it's something that uh I've really enjoyed and I, I've learned a lot. And then also um you know I grew up in a small farming community uh, in uh kind of central northern saskatchewan and um i I grew up working on a farm, even though we mm-hmm. lived in in town and I always loved being around the equipment and and working out there so uh, about uh three and a half four years ago uh bought uh, bought some farmland out there so i I now uh rent it out to uh, a friend of mine and mm-hmm. actually uh this fall, this past fall, I was out there helping them harvest, combine, drive, drive trucks, and do all that, and you know that's what I did as a as a kid too, and uh, I oh, love that's, that.
0: That's crazy. You know, I did one of these with Jeff Odgers, and he's in uh, Saskatchewan, just over the border, just down south somewhere, and he's on a farm and he's working like cr- crazy. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I love it. I love it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, same as you. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like it's, it is a lot of work. And it is, you know, it's not an easy thing to do. And you guys don't have to do it. But, man, you just love it. And I respect that. That's cool
1: yeah it, it's it's fun and then uh, the other thing that is keeping me uh very busy too is uh is family life so mm-hmm. we have uh two young boys who are seven and four and uh they're very active high energy boys so they're they're in uh back here they've settled into school in mm-hmm. uh, in calgary and you know they're uh they're playing hockey they're swimming they're playing tennis uh skiing we're taking them skiing on the weekend so we're uh, we're really having a lot of fun with them
0: you ever get the snowmobile on the snowcross thing with Blair? Let him sh- let him show him what you got. You ever try that? No, not a <laughs> not a
1: chance, not a chance. I do I do have a little uh little ditch banger out in uh, Saskatchewan that I use uh, out there with some really nice suspension, but there's yeah. no, like, like I'm jumping that thing maybe two or three feet in the air. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. You know what what he used to do on those things is just I
0: know. amazing. So uh, I, I'm, I'm nowhere. I'm, I'm a novice. Yeah. I was pumped that Blair got to be so like, I'm, obviously he was an amazing dirt bike racer and that's how I met him. And that's how I knew him. But then I, you know, I'd watch the X games every year and I'm like, geez, I'm like, look at this thing. You know what I mean? Cause I'm more into the moto side and, you watch yeah. them in X Games, and you're like, holy crap. So, um, Yeah, I, I forget how many gold medals. I don't know if it's yeah, five or six gold yeah, medals exactly. or something.
1: Yeah, it's pretty amazing.
0: Um, hey, so you retired. You won the cup with L.A. You got injured. And if I'm correct, um, and Dustin Brown takes a lap of the cup, you he gave it to you, the cup, right, on the ice. And even though you were injured, I think that that was probably a pretty good sign of uh, – of respect for your abilities, your, you know, even though you were hurt, you were probably with the team. Um, that had to have been a pretty amazing feeling.
1: Oh, it was like you know they. A lot of the the Kings had uh, had been involved with the uh, the 2012 uh, Cup, which I wasn't around for. But in 14, uh, I did get uh, injured in the first game yeah. of the uh, second round against the Anaheim Ducks and. And, um, I was, uh, I would have been able to play, I guess, in the last round, but mm-hmm. it was kind of, it was kind of iffy and, and our, our guys were rolling at that, at that time. So, um, you know, it was just a support role for me and, and, uh, I was okay with it because the reason that, um, that we decided to, uh, to move out to LA, uh, for the trade was, uh, a chance to, uh, get a shot at winning the uh, cup. So it really didn't matter to me what that role was. At all, and um, you know, I just I distinctly remember still uh, sitting in the back with uh, Colin Fraser, mm-hmm. who uh, who had been a part of a couple uh, Stanley Cup winning teams, and and we're watching the uh, the final uh, game five in in overtime, and uh, some of the young guys who were with us uh, started getting dressed in <laughs> in overtime in the back just in case yeah, yeah. Some, we we scored so they could go out there and and go celebrate right away, and right. I look over at Colin, he looks at me and. And, uh, he's like, I just can't do it. I can't get dressed yet. It just doesn't feel right. And I told him, me either, like, I gotta wait till, till we win in order to do that. So we, uh-huh. we're sitting there watching the game and, and then, uh, Alec Martinez, uh, scores. And we just uh, we just went crazy, and then and of course you're you're so excited uh, you want to get out there as quickly as possible so yeah. you try to you're trying to get dressed and your hands are shaking, and uh, you just uh, you're just all pumped up and it was uh, it was amazing it was an amazing uh, feeling uh, probably the best was uh, it was nice that Dustin uh, handed me the the cup uh, first after yeah. he took a lap but yeah. but having having the uh having Pretty much my entire family there. Mom and dad were in uh, in attendance, and uh, siblings oh, and yeah. and family and stuff. That was just uh, that was the ultimate because uh, they were they were there to share the experience of after having you know done so much for for me over the mm-hmm. uh, over my career. You know, not just professionally, but you know, minor hockey had taken me to practices and waking up in the morning with yeah. me and all that. So it, it was just it was great to have them there.
0: Well, I was going to say, so you retired. Did you know beforehand? Did you decide right then? Um, when did you decide, like, hey, this is perfect. I'm, I'm done. What, how, how did that decision come about? I
1: knew. Uh, I knew going into that next season uh, that uh, it was going to be my last because of, ver- of various reasons, but mainly, uh, mainly health-wise, um, mm-hmm. my knee, uh, my knee, uh, especially my left one that I'd hurt in uh, in the playoffs was just re- was really really bothering okay. me over the next summer and i was i was trying to work out as as hard as i wanted to and i just i couldn't push it the way that uh that i was i was happy happy with and so i thought that's uh that's the time where you know the body's okay. just kind of pushing back a little bit and yep. saying listen you know you've and uh, you've had a good run and maybe it's time to start looking at doing
0: something else yeah, because they had said like, "Hey, it was well known that you were you were done. You were gonna hang it up. You know what I mean?" And 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 I, it wasn't like one of those things where they were giving you rocking chairs before the, each game or anything like that. But it was kind of like one of those things where like, "Hey, he's he's gonna you know this is his last season." So however that got out, you know, I wondered why and what was the reasoning behind that and everything. So and yeah, uh, I didn't
1: try to I didn't try to hide it or anything right uh, like that. I, I'd been talking to some of some of my teammates uh about it so they they knew and um you know as you know in uh, in today's world uh, if you if you have a conversation with someone uh, sometimes it ends up
0: uh, in uh on twitter or you know yeah. somewhere yeah. somewhere
1: yeah. so it, it's out there
0: yeah no doubt um and that's cool your family was there and everything else that's awesome that when you won it um yeah. and you said it really like again you got injured you didn't you weren't able to play you were a big part of that team though um And so it was fine with you? Like, I mean, there's no bitterness at all? You're not like, ah, I wish I would have been playing? Um, It's it's totally fine?
1: Yeah, at that point in uh, in my career, Steve, there was no bitterness at all because um, – You know, I had I had come within one goal of uh, of winning the Starlight Cup. We lost in two thousand four when I was in Calgary to right. Tampa Bay Lightning yeah. in seven games and you know, I was there was a there there was a lot of hurt uh from, from that, uh, especially um, uh after it initially happened. Mm-hmm. But uh you know, I, I thought as a young guy, I was—I believe I was 24, 25 at that time. I uh, mm-hmm. thought, oh, you know what? Well, we'll get back there right away and, yeah, and yeah. Uh, <laughs> get a chance again. And you know, it'll be—it'll be fine. Well, the next year we uh, we lost the entire year because of the lockout, and then we ended up uh losing out in, in the first round in Calgary. I think it was like three or four of the next years uh, in a row. Yeah. So I just and and then I didn't uh, didn't have a chance to make the playoffs for. For a while, so um, I really didn't care. I knew I was yeah, yeah. At, near the end of my career, and um, you know, I just wanted to be part of a of a championship team, and that that was my only goal uh, at that uh, th- those last couple years. And I was just fortunate that
0: uh, that I was. Yeah, I I've always uh, wonder, guys. So the ceremony on the ice, and you get the cup from Dustin. Does it just go by in a blur? Do you do you have time to sit there and be like, wow? Like again, thousand games, you know, um, Mall of minor hockey league, everything else. Everyone dreams of lifting a Stanley Cup, and do you, do you get time to soak it in, or do you think looking back now, does it just all happen just so quick?
1: It it happened pretty quick because um, you know by the time I got on the yep. ice and then uh, celebrated a little bit, and then Dustin came and handed me the cup. I just I really can't describe how <laughs> the feeling uh, that yeah. I that I got when when that happened. Like I was it was just so emotional. There's, um, there's just a kind of a wave of, of emotion that, uh, that just washes, uh, washes through your body and and over you. And, and so, um, it it was, that's what I felt initially. And then, uh, just skating, you know, finally getting that chance to, to skate around, uh, with, with the cup, you know, it was something that I'd only, uh, watched on, on TV. So, uh, um uh, it's just a very uh a very, very cool experience and one that, you know, you hope that uh, that all players can have, but that's just not the case because it's uh it's just so so special. And then um, you know, what was even what was even better was uh, getting a chance to share uh the day with the cup with uh, with the family later on in uh yeah that in the summer. That'd be cool. We, yeah. We, yeah. Oh, we just had we had so much fun with it. we were we were wake surfing up at uh christopher lake with it we were um uh we had it down in my hometown at the at the rink where i played mm-hmm. so much hockey as a kid uh we also we asked the uh the kids and and all the cousins what they wanted to do and they just wanted to eat cereal out of it so <laughs> that we plopped the thing down and and made sure we had it nice and clean beforehand and, and yeah. we uh we put a bunch of milk and rice krispies in there and away they went uh, you know just very, very fun uh, activities with, uh, with the cup and sharing it with, uh, family and friends everywhere from, you know, my, my minor hockey league coaches. and. Yeah in uh Saskatchewan to uh to just uh family and relatives and and everyone it was just awesome.
0: Yeah, I've been to the Hall of Fame a bunch and looked at it and looked at the names and it's just got to be a cool feeling to know you're going to be on there. I think that you know it's five rings or whatever and I think it it lasts for 30 years or something. You know what I mean? Then they take the rings off and they're, they're still there but your name's going to be on that thing. It's just it's got to be really cool, you know? I can't I can't imagine.
1: Yeah, and I think that that'll be something where you know, I take uh, as our kids grow up, um, you know, you take them out there and, and go visit the, the Hall of Fame, and mm-hmm. you show them that kind of stuff because it's it's really neat.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you're you're let's get, let's get in the time machine a little bit. Talk back to your career. Um, you uh, played for Loose Blazers, and um, you got drafted by Colorado. But before you before you played for Colorado, you got traded for Flurry. In the Flurry deal, you were an up yeah. and coming prospect, everything else, but. Man, you uh, you broke your legs, and I remember this. This was like a lead story on TSN. I remember that when it happened, it was a big deal. Um, you broke your legs in a car accident, and it was almost over before it began, right? Well, it was very
1: close. Yeah, uh, I just uh, I was involved uh, with a motor vehicle accident, and it was a it was a head-on crash, mm-hmm. and one that uh, was very preventable. Um, sad, uh, sad to say that. Um, you know the the driver that uh, that hit us was uh, was drunk and uh, oh, wow. you know they uh the the two uh the two males in the in the front of their vehicle paid the ultimate price because uh you know they lost their lives in it so it was something that was extremely serious yeah. uh, at the time and uh, and you know uh, we were very fortunate in our vehicle there was uh, there was four people in their vehicle 86 Ford Temple, mm-hmm. and there was four in uh, in our vehicle, a 1976 Nova, oh, and uh, <laughs> yeah, we were just we were so lucky that uh, that everyone survived Jeez. the uh, the crash, and you know it it happened so quickly. We were just driving home mm-hmm. on a on a single lane. Uh, we were two kilometers onto a single lane uh, highway each way, and we were going northbound, and there were two vehicles coming uh, southbound. And as we passed the first vehicle, the one right behind it just pulled out and and smoked us. And oh, yeah, there was just nothing uh, we could do. And it it happens just in the in the blink of an eye. So uh, we we were all extremely lucky to, uh, yeah. to make it out of that situation uh, with uh, with our lives.
0: Yeah, that that is crazy. And again, you're a first round draft pick, and so you know your legs are broken. You're just like. You're just devastated. Never mind the loss of life and your your friends, and it, it's got to be that had to have been such a gnarly thing at a young age to handle. Like, can I ever play hockey again? You know, look at these people die. Uh, you know, wow, just everything going through your mind.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, I never had the I, I never had the doubt that I was going to play hockey again. Okay. as as kind of weird as that <laughs> yeah, sounds, yeah. there were, there was I, I actually really didn't think about hockey for for quite a long time, as there were. Other uh, more important issues to mm-hmm. to deal with, but uh, but as the you know I got great medical care there in uh, in Saskatoon, and uh, they they put a couple screws in my uh, left tibia, which I still have mm-hmm. uh, today, and kind of pieced me back together again. But as I as I started uh, recovering, um, you know that's where my support network just kicked into to high gear. You know, my mom's a registered nurse. And uh, she was there at the hospital, uh, helping me uh, every day. And uh, it was just the the rehab, the road to recovery started, and and everyone was around, friends coming in to visit and family, and and it was just awesome, the show of support. You know, this this was a long time ago. This was back when fax machines were were uh, were in, <laughs> right. and and uh, you know, I, I remember I remember uh, someone had had let out the uh, the number the phone number of the fax machine on the floor that we were on oh, at the hospital yeah, yeah, yeah. and the thing just started going crazy there were there were all kinds of hockey fans and people from uh, around uh, uh, sending faxes in and I think we ended up with uh, around 300 faxes that uh, that came in we kept them all and, and I oh, cool. took them when I when I got them out of the ho- uh when I got out of the hospital and home uh, we, uh, my mom and I, went through them and started reading them, and um, all kinds of, you know, just the, the the show of support was was tremendous, and uh, you know, I'll never forget that.
0: Yeah, pretty good, and then yeah, wasn't wasn't that much longer that you actually uh, yeah you made the uh, you made the flames, were you? Were you surprised? Were you going into camp? Did you think like, "Hey, I can, I can do this"? Like, you look at your your stats. You played five games in the minors, and I don't know if that was the first five of the season or just like a rehab assignment, but it must have been right away for you. Like, you you realize I can play at this level. I can actually, I can make this team.
1: Well, it's it's kind of funny how how it happened because I was I was going through my uh, rehab and, and mm-hmm. the flames were keeping, uh, keeping tabs on me, but I was back, uh, back home in Saskatchewan, right. uh, doing the physio and, and everything. And, um, you know, they, uh, they said, uh, it was, I think it was right around mid, uh, beginning to mid September. And they said, you know, how you doing, uh, Robin, we'd like to bring you in for a week and just kind of, uh, keep an eye on you and what yep. you're doing and everything. I said, yeah, no, no problem. Sure. So, yeah. um, they asked me what I had been doing, and I said, "Well, actually, uh, a couple of days ago, I stepped on the ice just for the first for the first time with mm-hmm. uh, with just uh, skates and and a stick on." And they were they were quite surprised. <laughs> so like, what? <laughs> uh, so I yeah so so I went there and uh, had a week worth of clothes and didn't leave for uh, eleven years and ended up making <laughs> the team and, and everything. So it was pretty pretty funny uh that way but i i did go down to uh st john new brunswick where the, their farm team was at the at the time and i went down there on conditioning because i was 19 years old i yeah i could only go down there on on conditioning and, right. and spent a couple weeks there uh just got into a game situation again and then uh, for me i was uh i was lucky that uh the flames at the time had a very young team uh not a very competitive one but a really young one with with a lot of opportunity. And if I wouldn't have been traded to them, I would have still been part of the Colorado system where Mm -hmm. they were stacked. They were, they were in the Stanley cup finals all the time and had, uh, had lots of very good defensemen, uh, you know, foot Bork, uh, um, Rob Blake, uh, you know, all these, all these guys. So, I look back on on my career now, and I was really lucky to get to Calgary because I just got the opportunity to make the team and start playing and, and start improving and trying to establish myself as a as an AHL player.
0: Yeah, so like you said, it was almost like a yeah a blessing a little bit to get in there and yeah. uh, and have a yeah. chance. And then um, you were coached by Brian Sutter that first year, and then you ended your career coached by Daryl Sutter. What was it? What was, what was the differences between them? What were the same? What, what were similarities between them? I mean, uh, well, we'll talk about noodles here in a little bit, Jamie McLennan, but like he mm-hmm. told me a story, you know, literally Daryl would kick you in the ass and, and, on the bench, <laughs> and, and then when you hear interviews with Daryl now, it's uh, it's incredible. It's like must see TV. That he he seems like Forrest Gump a little bit, but but yet the guy knows what he's doing. So, what's the differences and similarities between Brian and Daryl?
1: Well, uh, I, I had I had three uh, actually three different Sutter. So I started my first year with Brian uh-huh. Sutter, and you know he was um, he was probably the most uh, uh, outwardly the most intense of, of all of them. Mm-hmm. He would actually Brian would. Would walk around the the uh, weight room dressing room and all that kind of stuff before games, and he'd be so wired up to uh, <laughs> to play to to be coaching and and for us playing that night, he'd be punch he 'd punch guys in the in the arm and the side of the arm yeah. and Brian was a pretty tough player back then yeah. when he played and, and he so he'd punch you, and he'd be like yeah, you ready to go." And guys were like starting to hide, like near the uh, you know midway through the season, guys were hiding from Brian because yeah, like, yeah. I don't I don't want him to hurt me. Like my arm, you know, my arm's a little <laughs> sore because he he was that jacked, he was that jacked up. And oh, then no. so he was he was that way. And then um, you know, but not technically, he he wasn't the strongest. Uh, I would say of of the Sutters. And then uh, then I actually had uh, had Daryl uh for uh, for a little bit yeah uh, for the first uh first stint. first, first run to and, the comp
0: yeah. Run, yeah, yep. and, and
1: Daryl Daryl's Daryl's uh still he's still very intense, but you know, he's he's more of a technical uh coach than oh, uh, than Brian was. And he understood like what Daryl's really good at is understanding matchups. And he, he just gets the, the matchups mm-hmm. uh part of it and um and then I had brent uh for a little bit, and yeah. as Darrell moved up to to be the general manager and then uh back to uh- to daryl in l a and daryl l a was was the fundamentals that he talked about and focused on were were still the same in in l a but he didn't have quite uh hard, as hard edges as he did back in uh in calgary i think he was he was slowly. Kind of uh, refining, uh, so- softening, softening a little bit. bit. Yeah, it, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. I don't know if you'd ever call it soft is maybe not the right word because you know it's still <laughs> there right. <laughs> <laughs> you know. And, but um, but yeah, I was uh, uh you know I, I saw the kicks and I saw you know all that kind of stuff. He just he is just so intense. And, you know that whole family is is just so intense. The way they they grew up with all those brothers and how competitive yeah. their family was. Um, You know, you can just imagine if, the, you know, there was a last piece of, uh, you know, half a baked potato on the table and you have all these boys just uh, staring at it
0: with their forks, you know,
1: they would have been stabbing each other probably to to get at it. And
0: then so, uh, you know, it's funny you say that Daryl is maybe a more technical coach because like he plays dumb in the media. You know what I mean? He kinda comes oh, yeah, he no. kinda comes across as this hillbilly guy that doesn't know what's going on. And, and and again, McLennan has kinda hinted as much on some radio shows he does that, that Daryl Daryl's smart, but he doesn't you know, you wouldn't know it. The way you talk to the media?
1: talk <laughs> Yeah. And it, it's, it's actually, uh, it's really enjoyable uh, and entertaining to, to watch because, um, mm-hmm. you know, we'll all get, uh, when I was playing, we'd all get undressed in the, mm-hmm. in the change room or in the back change room and have, you know, have a TV on and watch highlights and stuff. And, and there he would come on to, to do his media. And it was almost something that, that guys were wanted to watch too, because he just never knew <laughs> what know. he was going to say. And, and uh, if anyone ever asked him kind of a, a a foolish question he would just tear into that that person so it was almost yeah. like the reporters were uh, were kind of terrified uh to to deal with him and, uh-huh. and he you know you you knew the way he was talking he didn't want to be up there and it was just a whole big big song and dance between between the two two parties so it, it made for some really really entertaining clips so that's for sure
0: and so where would you put brent in all of that i guess i forgot about that yeah brent did a couple of years um where would you put brent in the, in the sutter coaching clan
1: you know what uh, i would put uh brent had uh you know personality wise i i thought brent uh was uh was the best out of them all that way like he he was really really easy to uh to get along with had a great personality um you know i remember I remember him joking around with with the guys. You know, still had that intensity with him, but it, it was just a you know he was a very different uh, person than, mm-hmm. uh, than than personality that his brothers and you know the one uh, the one I remember was uh, Jerome McGinley had uh, had this highly trained uh, German Shepherd uh, dog that that okay. uh, came over from Europe and you know it was just uh, this guard dog and and um, you know it actually uh, it actually ran away. Uh, from their house uh, they they had their first dog I think it was they ran away from their house so they were having to try to go find this dog uh, uh, around Calgary and and Brent uh, Brent got uh, got wind of this so we were uh, we were on our next road trip and we were in uh, Detroit mm-hmm. and he uh, he calls uh, every, all the players into the dressing room and he's walking around with his head down, kind of looking up and looking at a guy, looking down. Looking, and you just, you know, you're just really wondering, like, what is going on here? Okay. And, then, and, then he, and then he says, uh, "You know, guys, uh, I got a call from uh, the Calgary Police Service um, last night, and you know, my heart and everyone's heart in the room just sank. You know, mm-hmm. like, what happened? Who, who screwed up? You know, or this or that. And then, and he just let it kind of weigh." Way on the room a little bit, and
0: <laughs> let it hang there a little and, bit, right? Yeah, yeah, let it hang, <laughs> and
1: then and then he looks up and he starts to smile and he's like, "Yeah, they found Jerome's dog running away down Elbow Drive, you know, uh just south of downtown." So we, and we all just started laughing, you know, because you know, everyone knew that the right. dog had there was you know, a big deal, yeah, 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 but yeah, it, it was just like it went from it went from all right, who who did something bad, to right. You know, everyone just lightheartedly. Uh, and laughing and it was actually pretty funny and, and really well done. So that that's the kind of stuff that
0: that Brent uh, yeah. Brent would do and he was really good at. Um, segwaying a little bit from there after the I mean basically the core of the Kings are still there the same guys that you won the Cup with. Um, they had a uh, not a great year last year. Obviously there was some off ice stuff going on with Voinoff and Richards and they missed the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Well guess what they're back. They look great. I don't know how much you're following them but uh, Sutter's got them moving along great again and. They look like uh, one of the guys to beat again. So just uh, kind of one down year, but you know, didn't take much. So
1: yeah, like they they had a they had a poor start to the season. I think mm-hmm. they lost their first uh, three or four games. It, it was, and um, you know, I was watching them uh, quite closely off the off the bat, and I was kind of wondering how how the guys were doing and, and, um, you know, they were also missing some, uh, you know, they, 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 missing some veterans and, yeah. and, there was a lot of younger guys there. And sometimes it takes a little, uh, little while for those guys to, to figure out and, you know, kind of take, uh, take the bull by the horns kind of deal. And, and it looks like they, they sure have, you know, the, the team's playing really well. There's, you know, the guys are look like they're rested and energetic again. I know that, uh, you know, a guy like Jonathan quick and drew Dowdy and Kopitar and, you know, those guys, they've played a lot of hockey in, uh, in the last number of years. And I think that kind of, uh, weighed on things a little bit and inconsistencies, uh, the year before. And that, that stuff seems to be gone. And, and they're, they're having a really solid, uh, solid season. So I'm, I was really happy to, to see that because, uh, you know, I still know most of those guys yeah. and keep in contact every now and again, so I was very happy to
0: see that. Yeah, that's good. No, it's good. And it's their turn it's their turn to win, right? Now, Chicago won last year now. It's, not, it's <laughs> yeah. the King's turn to win. Yeah, so. back and forth, yeah. I know, right? It's it's crazy. Uh that first year you had uh, Housley there near the end of his career. You had uh, in yeah. Calgary, you had Fuhrer in Nets. Mm-hmm. You're probably like, Oh man, I'm playing with some legends right here. Yeah, Steve Smith. Steve Smith, Steve Smith yeah. Uh, right. the defenseman. Uh he was there. Uh were you guys still you know, bug- a- were, you, were you guys still bugging Steve Smith about banking it off Grant's leg? <laughs> no, no, we uh we we didn't do that. He would have he he would have just uh, looked at us sideways
1: and uh, taken a stick yeah, and probably cracked us over the head with it. But uh um no, we had some really, really uh, great uh, older older players yeah. and, and one that uh, I learned a lot from a guy there was a older Swedish defenseman named uh, Tommy Abilene that yeah. was also uh, here in in Calgary and he was really great uh, he would just you know you could talk to him and, uh, and ask him any sort of question you mm-hmm. try to try to help you out and uh, that actually um that that's that that has stayed with me for uh, for a long long time to this day because that's you cool. know yeah. as a you know as an older guy mm-hmm. uh, when when you know near the last few years of my career you know you you wanted to be uh help out the young guys so right. you try to talk to them and see if they're struggling and and just do do what you can and also pass along some of the things that maybe worked uh worked for you and in your career that you know might might help them out so it's it's a it, you know you go into almost a little bit of a mentor or mentorship role with uh, with those young guys to try to uh, try to get them get them out of their little funks that they sure. they have because usually the the hardest thing about being a young player is inconsistency and they need to learn how to uh, they need how to learn to get their game up to the right level and to to keep it up
0: there. What's the biggest misconception do you think that the media and fans like myself have about the NHL? Like, what's something that you hear repeated by you know the experts in the media, quote unquote, and, and fans you meet on the street? that maybe they don't have any idea about. Is there something that comes to mind?
2: Well,
1: I, I just think that, um, you know, that, uh, a lot of the players have some really, really great personalities. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of, there's a lot of funny things that, uh, that go on. It's actually really entertaining to, to be a part of, uh, and you, that just doesn't always come across with, um, you know, with interviews and things like that, because, uh, you know for for various different reasons but you know yep. cuz yep. you know you you look at um you look at guys that you know maybe say something controversial or or have this flamboyant attitude and and uh, you know then they're they're looked to uh to do do interviews every single day because you know that's the that's the that's guy the right the, yeah. yeah and and you know guys guys don't guys don't want that. They a lot of guys don't they they don't seek the the limelight like, like that but they we have some we have some wickedly uh we've had some wickedly funny people in in the league and you know Jamie McClellan and Noodles is one of them but mm-hmm. Mark Bergevan who's now oh, uh, a yeah. manager
0: and yeah, stories about him Montreal. are legendary right yeah. yeah yeah is one
1: of them and you know there's there's a whole whack of them it just it doesn't always uh y- you know, it doesn't come out all the time when there's TV cameras and, and people like that. But, uh, it was a really, really enjoyable, uh, thing to be a part of. And, you know, I, I remember doing some, uh, some, a little bit of, uh, of that kind of stuff myself, the practical jokes and mm-hmm. things like that. Like it's really, you're, you're just kids. You're, you're adults and you're, you're doing, you're playing. This uh, this highly competitive game and professional sport, but really
0: you can you're acting like kids. You're <laughs> right, playing. Right, you're playing on right. hockey, you know, yeah.
1: and that's that's the, probably one of the greatest things about that.
0: Hey, I remember you were a big part of the PA uh, for a number of years yeah. there. Like you were um, they, they, I'm just again watching news reports. I, I imagine you were the Flames representative uh, in the in the PA and um, dur- during the lockouts and during um, some of that in the PA association um, head Saskin slash let's find a new leader guy. You were front mm-hmm. and center in a lot of those meetings, at least on TV in cameras and stuff. Did you did you have a, like sort of a passion to do that? Did you did someone rope you into it and then you got into it and you really cared like that? Again, it's extra work, it's extra burden um, on a guy like that just wants to play a game. But you were a big part of that. Yeah, well, how it started was I kind of got roped into it. I was, uh, I was actually the alternate alternate player rep
1: in Calgary. Okay, home was the was the head player rep, and then after the uh, after the lockout in uh, you know 4.05, he uh, he said you know he was done, and uh, and then I I stepped up with it, and you know it was something I I wasn't that excited about doing when I when I first started. Right, but um, you know for me I. Um, I was able to learn so much and that's what actually got, it got really exciting for me. Uh, you know, having to, uh, to deal with a 30 person board and all the, all the different business aspects of the, the PA and mm-hmm. understanding the, the league and, and the business side of the league, uh, being on the audit committee and, and doing things like that. It was a way for me, Steve, to, uh, to learn a lot without sitting in a classroom. It was real world. Right. Learning and, uh, I think that, uh, that's really been beneficial for me, uh, now that, uh, I'm out of the game and, you know, running, running a business and, and, uh, you know, trying to help our family and run, run our lives that, that way. Like there, there were a lot of good things that, uh, that I learned. Uh, from mm-hmm. from that experience and and uh, not always good yeah well, i was gonna say like but, uh, around that ted saskin uh, yeah.
0: email thing and all that you're probably like what am i doing oh geez like there was a lot of yeah, there was a lot of issues with pa for a number of years you know and he, you were like oh, yeah God. it was a it was a toxic <laughs> uh, it was a toxic yeah. environment uh there for for a long
1: time and and uh, being involved with the uh, you know the uh, the leadership search that um ended up being uh, you know on Paul Kelly was uh, what, uh-huh. what the guys decided and you know I was the only member of that that group that uh, wanted to go a different direction but trying to trying to you know get that across to them it just didn't uh, it didn't happen. So there were some very frustrating uh points uh there. Right. But uh but now having uh having the the Fair brothers uh there I, I think they've yeah. just done so much to help to help the uh the PA and the environment there and, and getting it uh functioning as a as a good uh, good group. Uh, again, and so uh, yeah, it was it was a it was quite an experience, oh, and, and one that uh, took a lot of time, a lot of there was a a lot of hours spent on spent on the conference calls and yeah and things things like that. But um, you know, one where I, I learned a lot through the experience, and and I think uh, I I think that most guys should yeah. should do it because uh, I think they'll find the same.
0: Yeah, it uh, was was Saskin right after Good Now. Was that what happened there? Was there somebody after Bob? Yep. Yeah. No, it was uh, Bob. Yeah, Bob. Bob went. Yeah, Bob got let go, which which was again like he, you know, the salary cap, the lockout, everything else. That was wasn't good. And then Saskin comes in and he goes a little sideways. And then yeah, Paul Kelly comes in. Yeah, and then so without getting into, and I don't know how much you want to talk about it, like why was paul kelly kind of wrong for the job or or what you know cuz that was weird too again i don't you know you don't talk about it if you don't really want to it's none of our business but well,
1: i think um, you know i think it was just the skill set mm-hmm. personally uh, yeah. having having interviewed uh, the the different people uh for the job uh there's uh you know there's a certain type of uh of skill set that you're looking for and you know paul was uh, coming as a as a very very highly regarded, uh, uh, lawyer, uh, mm-hmm. mitigator, uh, and, um, and he just, uh, you know, some of those other skills you need to to run an organization, yeah. um, or, or, a, and, a, and a business really, sure. uh, and, de- and deal with all those, those people, like there's a certain set of skills you need for that. And, uh, and right. I just thought that, um, you know that maybe some uh, some other people might be a little bit stronger in, in that area mm-hmm. uh and and that's uh, that was that was my feeling and um you know it was it was just a uh, but you know the process went went on and uh unfortunately uh you know it didn't work out uh, with uh, with him but, uh, you know, Paul is a, is a, very, he's a very nice guy. and, a, and a, right. He's got lots of integrity, but he just wasn't, wasn't the right guy for, for the job, and especially at that time where you're, you're kind of going into that uh, toxic environment that we had at, at the PA.
0: Well, and then, uh, like it may have taken a while, but like you said, Donald Fear, I think that was a really good choice for you guys. And I'm sure the owners of the NHL weren't exactly stoked to see that guy come over, but <laughs> that's worked out great. And, and you know what? And it seems like with the World Cup, and the outdoor games um the partnership has really come together like people think of fear as this this warmonger guy but baseball had a lot of peace even though he is a hard negotiator and i think that's it's been good for for the for the pa been
1: great yeah I, I i think it's been good, really good for for both sides you know i'm not a huge uh gary Bettman fan because of right. uh you know the uh, all the uh, labor issues that uh that we have had yep but uh, you have a you have a pretty strong uh, League now that um you know these they've been able to to kind of manage through some of these uh lingering issues the the phoenix issue there with the uh, ownership and mm-hmm. and um also the uh kind of the the TV and, and uh, the rights deals were, they were really struggling with some of the southern, uh, southern right. U.S. teams and, and things. So, you know, you, you're, you've gone from that to uh, having a, a pretty strong league and one there where there's even been a team that uh, is now back in an extra team in Canada, which got, you know, everyone yep. happy there with Winnipeg sure. and, uh, and, you know, now looking at uh, expansion, which, you know, Vegas is, uh, is right up there, Quebec City. So it's, uh, yeah. it's actually, I, I think the, the league is, uh, is quite healthy. And, um, you know, the, the trick though is that, um, you know, hockey is, uh, is a very, very popular sport over in, in Europe. You mm-hmm. know, my brother plays professionally over in, in Germany, for example, but they've got really good leagues over there. And anyone that has watched the World Junior Tournament knows that yeah. there's very, very strong hockey over there and the following. So how does the NHL uh, next move to try and uh, and make that impact, and not just a you know as, as a game or two here or there at the start of the season, but make a meaningful impact over in uh, in Europe because they have a huge market over
2: there.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. I don't know how Gary does it. Um but he keeps finding new owners for some of these franchises, Florida yeah. and, and and Phoenix. And you're just like, you're like, give it, give it up, Gary, give it up. But he finds these guys and, and Florida ownership seems strong. And the Phoenix guys, they seem like they, you know, they want to move back to Scottsdale, but they seem in it for the long haul. So I guess you yeah. got to tip your hat to, uh, to Gary. Um, yeah. All right. We don't have too much more time on the Paul Pocky podcast with Robin Regeer. Uh, at some point in Calgary, Kippersoff comes in a, in a really nice trade uh, that I think Daryl did, but maybe, maybe I'm wrong. But um, yeah. Yeah. that was kind of a guy, and, and man, you when you watch Calgary games, he was oftentimes the number one star, and for a reason, that guy was amazing, wasn't he?
1: Oh, he, he was just a, a phenomenal uh, competitor, and just he was a small guy for a goaltender, mm-hmm. but extremely athletic. And had a really, really good uh, head on his shoulders. In that, you know, if he got scored on or, or something happened, he he wouldn't let it bother him. Uh, very, but I've never seen uh, a competitor like that. He was just amazing. He could, in practice, he, and there's not many guys uh, that that can do this, but he could he could honestly flip it on like a switch.
2: Really, uh, I remember.
1: <laughs> oh, I, I remember. Uh, we were we were playing this little scrimmage game and. You know, someone came in and, and, uh, and scored a goal on him and he just wasn't happy about it. And it was just like, okay, that's it. No one else is scoring. And, you know, no one else did. Like he just, <laughs> he, he could do it. He could do it that way. And, and, uh, there's, there's not many guys that could. So pretty, pretty amazing guy and, and one that, um, you know, he didn't talk a whole lot in the, in the media. He had a really dry sense of humor, which was actually really funny if you got him to yeah. open up, uh, ever. But uh, I, I talked to him uh, a few a few times uh, in depth about hockey, and and a really bright guy with uh, w- with hockey. And I remember I remember him saying to me, you know, the uh, I was I was, talking, I was actually asking about players and who he liked to play behind and and this and mm-hmm. and he said he looks over to, to me and he says I like playing behind guys that I know what mistakes they're gonna make.
2: Oh yeah, and I, yeah. And I kind of look at him
1: and yeah, yeah and he, and I was like, oh, really? And he's like, yeah, because then I just I know I know that you're going to make this mistake or this this guy's going to make this mistake. That's yeah. that's yeah, the but they consistently do that, and he's like, I'm able to to know that and, and play but he's like the guys that i don't know what mistakes are going to make and it's always different he says i have a very hard time doing that because then i'm trying to watch them and watch the opposition and see what's going on and right. and that and then the other the other thing was um you know how uh, in tune he was with uh, with the game you know I, there was a goaltending coach here uh, named david marcu at the time and mm-hmm. he would always run through all the shooters with uh with mika the morning of the, the game and you know, he came came out of uh, Dave's office one day laughing, and I said, Mika, you know, why are you laughing? He's like, well, you know, I, I don't want to tell Dave this, but uh, he's like, I, I taped the game uh, last night, and I've already watched it, so I know all oh, this stuff. Jeez, really? You know, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm uh, I'm just letting Dave do that because uh, you know that's his job. Me just laughing, so he he took it really
0: uh, really seriously and uh, he was a really and, good competitor. Hey, and he and he smoked darts apparently too. He was a smoker, which was amazing. Oh yeah, like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah, Those European yeah, those they
1: Europeans. Don't care. They uh, they like to, Dude, <laughs> they like it, to light insane. them up. I re- I remember the uh, first time we we had new coaches. Uh, here in uh, in Calgary, one uh, one season, and we, we stepped off the plane, and um, and this this uh, assistant coach's name was uh, was Wayne Fleming. Oh yeah, and yeah. Wayne Wayne is uh, is walking beside me, and we're we're walking uh, through the terminal into the parking lot, mm-hmm. and Mika's truck goes by, and you see this cigarette, and the cherry <laughs> on this thing is just red. He is just sucking it. Back as as fast as he can, you know. And Wayne looks at me, and I just started laughing. (laughs) he's just like, "Am I seeing this correctly?" I was like, "Oh yeah, don't don't worry about it." You know, never.
0: Whatever he was doing, it was working because the guy was (laughs) phenomenal for so many years. You know. Um, Uh, Yeah. And then one of the things too, when you when you did some research on this, and I forgot about this, I forgot that Keenan coach the flames but one of the things oh, yeah. that, one of the things that comes up is regeer feuds with keenan it's actually actually a real headline when you google your name um so you just didn't get along with iron mike it didn't work out so well
1: well i didn't i wasn't a huge uh mike mike keenan fan uh as a you and a, a lot of other
0: guys you and a lot of other guys yeah
1: as a as a coach you know he um you know, he tended to, uh, to whip the, uh, kind of the third and fourth line guys and, and, uh, let the top guys play as much as possible. So, you know, the guys, uh, those top guys doing most of the interviews. Uh, they were the ones that were uh, saying how great Mike was because they were playing so much and yeah. you know putting up career years and doing that so uh they were there in front of the camera saying, "Oh, this is great well you know that doesn't necessarily lead to a to a very good team uh, atmosphere or a good right. good coach you know it's it's how is our team doing, and if our team's doing well, then you know then the coach or players must be doing something something right but uh that that wasn 't the case for for us and it was quite disappointing, um, uh, the, uh, the outcome of having Mike here in Calgary. And, you know, I remember I, I took a lot of flack because, uh, you know, when he did get let go, I, I, was, I just said, yeah, you know, you... it was probably a good, good thing. I just said the, what I felt was the truth. And and what a lot of players felt was, uh, was the truth and, uh, and took, uh, took a lot of heat for it.
0: Yeah. That's what well, these headlines that I'm seeing, you weren't, weren't a fan. Um, out of Calgary, you signed a deal uh sign a four year contract or a big contract anyways, and um no trade clause, which is awesome mm-hmm. um and then they come and ask you to waive it to uh to yeah. go to Buffalo. and I remember this was a big deal because you had spent so many years in Calgary and the fans had gotten to know you and like you, and you know you were part of the cup the the team that went to the cup final, you could have said no, why'd you say yeah why'd you waive it well it
1: took uh it took me a little while to waive it because. Uh, Jay Feaster. Uh, I had a meeting with Jay at the end of uh, the, the previous season, and uh, he uh, he just went through the whole team and what he was trying to do. And I said, Jay, you know, if if you can't do those, make those moves, what else are you going to do? He's like, well, not I can't really because my hands are tied with all these contracts. Mm-hmm. And I said, well. You know, I'd be willing to look at some different options if that helps you out, and that's what I, the way I left it. Really? And I didn't. Oh. I didn't get a phone call from him. That was probably in, in mid to end of April. Okay. I didn't get a phone call from Jay until uh, I think it was mid mid June. I was back in Saskatchewan, and he's a, and he said, you know, we'd like to trade you and Alish totally to uh, to Buffalo, and I just uh, I was really surprised because normally when you have a no movement clause what they do is they um they give you they help they help bring you in on the on the on a deal, yeah. And, yeah. And yeah, and say, you know, what kind of teams are you looking to go to and and that but this didn't happen at all. And I was really disappointed with uh with Jay in in doing that. And so um you're what like, happened? You're like my, Buffalo. My,
2: <laughs> Buffalo <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Well Well my agent well my agent then was really angry with uh uh-huh. with Jay and how everything was handled. So then he actually had to leak the the story that uh, the trade to Buffalo and then they got all the teams involved that would, uh, were interested in, yeah. in a trade. But what I did was I started talking to former teammates that okay. uh, had played in Buffalo and I, and I had a few of them. Rat Warner was one of them and I started talking and they loved Buffalo. So uh, what we did was uh, I think we waited for, I think it was like three or four days at least mm-hmm. did our, did our research and then decided to, to head to Buffalo. And, and now that I look back on it, we loved our time and, in Buffalo, yeah. and the the city, the people were really great. The the people of Western New York are very very hospitable. Um, the travel is just so easy compared to anywhere else in uh, in the league there because uh, everything is just jammed yeah. up in that Northeast. Yep. So there were many many positives with uh, with Buffalo, and then I also look back on on it and it allowed me to come back to being traded to L.A. Because what happens is a lot of teams. Don't like to trade within their own division or yeah. even own conference. conference. Yeah. They like to trade. Yeah, they like to ship you off to the uh, to the other uh, conference. So by by going out east, uh, I was able to then come back out west and uh, come to L.A. and be a part of a championship team there.
0: Yeah, so it all worked out. I don't know, man. Like yeah. again, I'm just a guy on the couch watching the games. But to me, if I'm a veteran like you and I got a known trade clause, I'm like, nope, sorry. Like that's, I, I played, I fought for this. I, I signed, you agreed to it. And I, unless things are toxic, I'm just saying no yeah, way, you know? But, well, yeah.
1: well, Steve, I, I was at, the, I was getting to, you know, you're in the last, I was in my last half of my career and, and also, um, you know, I could see the team in Calgary, uh, really, uh, wasn't, wasn't going any anywhere right. good. It was just a long, slow decline. Everyone was getting older. Yeah. Um, it was going to be less competitive and, that's That's what happened, and you know unfortunately, um, you know a guy like uh, Jerome Giler, for example, he stuck around for an extra number of years, yeah. and you know then he started moving around. but you know who knows maybe that that will end up costing him and not not getting a chance to be part of a, a winning team i i just I looked at the opportunity to 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 go somewhere else and right. and try to uh, and just try to win, and that's, uh, that's all I really cared about at the time.
0: Hey, talking about Iggy, we'll wrap this thing up. Iggy just got a 600th goal, and I don't know the guy, but he seems like a really awesome dude. Every interview I've seen, every you know, every time you you see something with the guy, he just seems like a really good guy. 600 goals now for him. Yeah, 600. It's oh man, that's a that's a
1: boatload of goals, and you know, you just uh, to to be that consistent for for mm-hmm. that long. You know, he's always been. He's probably been the most, uh, the best professional that uh, that I've ever seen. You know, I remember uh, I had a bunch of family and friends that would come to games in Calgary, and you know, Jerome and, and Mika were the two main guys here. And, mm-hmm. and they uh, and Jerome just he would come at the end of the game. He'd walk out and he would sign every single person's autographs. Ta- you know, smiling, he'd take a picture with them. He'd do whatever they they wanted, and and just a very very professional uh, guy and. And you know you you hope that uh, that he has a chance to uh, be part of a, a championship winning team and lift that cup over his head, but uh, it's going to be it's going to be tough. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. you know it's uh, like you said the, the with the teams and and L. A. and Chicago going back and forth, <laughs> and now they're this year. There's other there's other teams that are they there and you know leading the pack. It's it's just it's a tough thing to to do.
0: The uh, team Canada in the in the Olympics, the Turin, you got a chance to go, which is awesome. However, the team didn't do so great. Uh, looking back on it, what do you think was wrong? What 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 went wrong? What happened?
1: Uh well, there was there was lots. The, you know, the uh, the international ice, uh, you know, playing yeah. over in in Europe is is quite different. You know, you have a situation where all of us grew up on on North American NHL size ice, mm-hmm. so. The game uh, is, is is quite different, and, and you look at uh, you look at even in international competitions now, World Juniors just happened. For example, it's the same thing. North American yeah. teams tend to struggle when uh, when you go over to to Europe because of of that. And you know, you might not think it's a big difference, but mm-hmm. it is when you grow up you know growing up playing on on a certain type of ice in a certain type of game sure uh, it changes a little bit uh going over there so that that was an issue uh scoring was uh yeah was another issue uh we just
0: uh we could not score Not your uh, fault over though there. it's not your fault you were not there yeah. you were not brought <laughs> <Yeah>. for goals <laughs> yeah
1: and you know there were there were other things too but yeah it just it just didn't fall didn't fall into place and that's uh that's the thing with, as a as a team, you know, you're there's a lot of moving parts when you're involved with uh with a team sport. And for us we uh we just couldn't uh, couldn't bring those all all together and it was it was a very disappointing outcome uh yeah. for us that way.
0: A guy like you, you're like, This is awesome, this is gonna be so great and then yeah, just went sideways. <laughs> um Last question for you, I'm supposed to ask you, according to the noodles, I'm supposed to ask you about uh his summer parties uh where you guys dressed up as superheroes, and at one time, the Hulk tackled the a and w bear what is oh, yeah. what, what is he talking about?
1: yeah, we used to have these great uh great parties in the summer and and uh, he would pick a theme a theme of some sort. <laughs> And we uh we would go out one night in Calgary, and then hop on a bus and drive up to Edmonton, where he's he's from. Yeah, he's the hero up there. Out there and, right. Yeah, and so <laughs> we yeah we're at a, on the bus uh, on our way up to Edmonton. I think we, I think we stopped in Red Deer or something like that, and <laughs> and went to A and W. And sure enough, there was the bear Uh just. Standing on the side of the road, waving, you know the way they do. And, and we, we had one one guy who uh, will remain nameless. Uh, get, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, get get dressed up in his in his Hulk uh, costume and he in the in the bus that he wore the night before, and just comes flying out of there and tackles this A.W. bear. And
2: oh, it was just so so funny. Poor guy. But, uh, thank,
1: yeah, thank Well, thank goodness the bear was. Uh, it's okay. We and thing is, you don't, you know, you don't know who's inside the Bears. Oh no! It a, no. You know, is it a is it a thirteen year old uh, kid or is it right. you know, some eighty year old uh, grandmother? Or you know, you just have no no idea. But uh, thank goodness everyone.
0: Oh there. yeah, he told me to ask you about that. Well, um, <laughs> Robin Regeer, Stanley Cup champion, thousand games. Um, I appreciate the time you uh, you take with us to share the stories. I got I got more questions. Maybe we'll do another one down the road because I got a lot more questions about uh, about about your career and playing different things so we'll uh, we'll try to do another one thank you uh, thanks for taking the time to do this man I really appreciate it no problem thanks for having me Steve all right thanks Robin